Tipped in by Cuckoo. Sevier will go after it on the forecheck. That gets into the on the left wing boards. Griffith will force Iki behind the net. It comes loose in front of the net. Scores! Colin Sevier found a loose puck. And he gets it past Trigger, and the Oilers are up 3-2. And the Oilers would never trail in the game again. Yes, Seattle would tie at 3-3, but the Oilers get two in the third for a 5-3 victory over the Kraken. Sevier with his second of the season. Warren Fogle scored twice tonight. Evan Bouchard gets a goal. Connor McDavid seals it with an empty netter. So the Oilers win their second in a row, bumping their record up to 18-11 and on the season. Out shooting Seattle 41-17. I mean, really, they controlled most of the game. Seattle did get a 2-0 lead, kind of a bad goal given up on a long shot by Stuart Skinner early, and then Jared McCann made it 2-0, but uh, Edmonton just kept firing away, and they get the victory tonight. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you're staying warm and having a decent Saturday. It's five minutes before 11. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, th- there was a lot of action in the game. I mean, it was uh, kind of a high-event game, I think, especially through probably about the first 30 minutes or so, uh, and the Oilers are able to, to figure it out tonight. I, I think we want to talk about some of the specific plays and, and specific goals because there were some uh, interesting moments in this game and some nice milestones for some players uh, as well. But, you know, obviously the, the players that you expect to play a lot did play a lot for Edmonton. But I found even some of the depth guys, whether they hit the score sheet or not, I, I noticed them. Everybody was involved for Edmonton. Uh, you're you're right, and the others needed that. Um, there was guys moved up in the lineup, playing on the first and second line that wouldn't be there. The guys up from the minors, guys that get average five five six minutes a night, like a Benson plays fifteen sixteen minutes. Uh, Benson was good. That's that is the best game he's played as an Edmonton Oiler. I thought the two kids up from the minors. I guess they're not kids; they're a little bit older. But I thought the two guys from the minors, uh, Maruti and Griffith, played very well for the Oilers in the shifts that they got. Sevier, I think, has been... He might be one of the most consistent players that the Oilers have had all season long. His, his ceiling isn't as high as others, but he hits it all the time, and he was good again tonight. And and Fogel, and I know that they, they mentioned on the broadcast with with Louie said that, you know, the empty net goal the other day, you just like seeing the puck go in the net if you're a player. If it hasn't happened in a long time, and that all of a sudden just releases some stress, and it did. He's He's played better as of late. And they needed those players to play well. They needed those players to contribute, and they did. So I think this is one of those games where the coaching staff says, you know what, everybody's going tonight. We can roll whoever we want. We've got the the ability to put the two best players out at any time with uh, just about anyone, and they did that. Leon and Connor kept double shifting and playing with different line mates, and it showed that the others were the better team, even when they were down 2 nothing. It was not a 2 nothing lead for, for Seattle. The, the Oilers were the better team at that point, too. And eventually the pressure of the Oilers was too much for the Kraken. All right, so Edmonton takes it 5-3. You mentioned Warren Fogle, and let's start with his second goal of the game, Rob. This was 8-54 into the third period. Bouchard with the point shot. Fogle's in front of the net. He might have got a little tip on it. The rebound comes up in the air, and Fogle is cross-checked by Mark Giordano. The puck actually hits Fogel, looked like somewhere in the chest, and goes into the net as Fogel lands on Kraken goaltender Chris Drieger. The the ref on the ice immediately waved it off, but hey, that's why they have video review. Mm-hmm. They, they look at it, and uh, 
Fogel was not in the crease to begin with. Giordano did push him directly into the goaltender. And quite frankly, Rob, the puck wouldn't have even gone into the net if not for the contact by Giordano. Well, you're right. Actually, I think it hit both his chest and his face mask. I think it hit both of those. Um, It's one of those ones where... When Giordano, he's he doesn't see the puck. He's just hitting the player that in front of the net. Uh, the one thing that makes you nervous, if if they would have called goal right away, I don't think Seattle would have uh, questioned it. I don't think they would have challenged it. But when they called no goal, and you're thinking, okay, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cross check by Giordano. This was a push. He pushed him all the way in, and you're like, okay, I mean, it should be a goal, but since there wasn't like that one big blow that all of a sudden he throws his back up and his head goes in the air and he just falls on top of the goaltender. You think, well, did the refs think he was, he he could have moved out of the way. So now as a coaching staff, you're like, if, if we don't, if we challenge this and the refs don't overturn their own call, uh, all of a sudden now we're shorthanded, you know, tie game in the third period. So a gutsy call by the coaching staff, the right call by the coaching staff. But as I said with Bob, it's just, the coaching staff had faith that if the if the referees decided that you know what we think it's it's no 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 goal, then all of a sudden we're penalty killing. We believe in our penalty killers, so I think the coaching staff. And again, this is coaching staff that is it's not Dave Tippett on the bench. These are the the assistants that made that call. They made the right call. And another play where Fogel went where he's supposed to be, and good on him. Well, and he also took advantage of some power play time. The Oilers' first power play unit tonight was McDavid, Dreisaitl, Barry, Yamamoto, and Fogel. Now, of course, no Hyman, no Nugent Hopkins, and no Pugliarvi. So Yamamoto and Fogel got in there, and that was a big sequence late in the first period. The Oilers actually gave up a shorthanded breakaway to Brandon Tanev. Yamamoto pursued him from behind. Tanev still got a shot away. Skinner stopped it, and then exactly 10 seconds later, Dreisaitl drops it to Yamamoto, who fires away, and Fogel sweeps in the rebound. Well, that might be one of the best shifts Yamamoto's had in a while. Uh, he's much maligned. He hasn't produced at the, the level that they need him to produce at, but he, he read the play. He saw that Barry was in trouble, so he started taking off, going back the opposite way to help out. And Tanev had a, a, about probably about 10 feet on him that Yamamoto made up. And then the, after he makes that play there, he went all the way from his own goal line and jumped into the play. He read, okay, look, we've got numbers going the other way comes in late and for the first time in seven games gets a puck on net and again Fogel just driving the net puts the puck in the net uh, we we talked about it between periods that there's there's times where people are talking that our, our bottom six aren't producing they're not scoring goals again Fogel when he's out on the ice he's in the bottom six he, he's not getting consistent ice time he's not getting any uh, gravy time on the power play and he's not playing with a Leon or a Connor. Now, I know he's been brought in to play on the third line, but you can't expect production from uh, uh, third-line guys when they're not built to score. That line's not built to score. They have three checkers. Uh, when he gets a little bit of uh, freedom to, to play a different style and he puts put up there with some offensive players, we saw what he's capable of doing. He hangs around the net, and he's looked very comfortable playing in, on the first line the last couple of games. Very comfortable. And that might be something to look forward to for the rest of the year, even when the teams get healthy.
Yeah, so the Oilers win at 5-3 in Seattle tonight. That means a $500 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're giving $100 every time the Oilers score throughout the season. And, of course, it's delivery weekend for Santa's Anonymous. The Oilers online 50-50 today, and ticket sales just closed a couple of minutes ago, so someone's going to get... half of the uh, $261,000 pot. Uh, the proceeds going to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. And if you want to deliver tomorrow, they are, st- are still looking for some people. You can sign up at santasanonymous.ca. So, 5-3, the Oilers win it. Evan Bouchard gets a goal tonight, Rob. Uh, he's up to five on the season. I-, I mean, he's on pace for double digits from the year. And uh, and I know a lot of people want to see him on the power play, but he doesn't get a lot of power play time. So he's producing even, even without being on the man advantage. And, you know, again, we've seen it. I mean, even back when he was... Uh, you know, when he was first drafted and he played those nine games or whatever before he went back to junior, he can shoot the puck and he gets it off He gets it off quick and it has some spice on it as well. It's a heavy shot, and I believe it, it, it fools goalies. Uh, we talked, Bob and I, at the end of the uh, the game where he offense, he's an offensive defenseman that had success in junior. And there was going to be some warts in his game, and we see those from time to time on one-on-ones or in his own zone. But when he has the puck on his stick, especially in the offensive zone, he knows what to do. He gets the puck through. He misses legs. Uh, We've seen a number of players that have come through here as defensemen that every time they get that chance at the blue line, it hits a uh, shin pad, it hits a stick, it doesn't get through on net. But Bouchard, very subtly, he just goes from side to side. He just gets into a shooting lane. He, He moves around the defender coming out. And he gets pucks through. And I think tonight, the one, it just fooled the goalie. I don't think he was expecting it to come that quickly. It wasn't much of a, a shot. It didn't seem like. And all of a sudden, it was on him, and he got through his glove. So uh, good plays, getting pucks on net. And again, the, the, the one that Fogel scored is just putting the puck on net. And when you put pucks on net, good things happen. On that one, I mean, Fogel, he, he put it in either with his chest or his forehead. But hanging out in front of the net and you have a defenseman that gets it through. I can tell you from experience that when you are a player that stands in front of the net, nothing worse when a goal when you're standing there taking a beating, you're fighting for room for, for space, and the defenseman doesn't get it through. You put all that energy in and the puck gets blocked and now you're back checking. So the players, wingers, centermen, whoever's standing in front of the net, love defensemen. They get pucks on net, and Bouchard does that consistently. Okay, so the Oilers get a 5-3 win in Seattle. That's it for the season series between these two teams already. Just three meetings this year. The Oilers take two out of the three. Back to Climate Pledge Arena. Here's Oilers associate coach Jim Playfair. About that strong collective effort from your club, especially coming in shorthanded and giving up the opening two goals in this game. Yeah, I thought it was a really good win by our group. I think we had a mindset of how we wanted to play. Obviously, we had the disruption of going through the day the way it went, but, you know, they found a way to collectively get together, and I thought our pace of play was good. I thought our consistent structure was really good, and uh, and we played a solid game. Would you say that's one of the more complete efforts from your club all season? Well, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it's more complete, but I thought they had a good pace and a good rhythm. I thought that getting uh, Leon and Connor out there as much as we did with different wingers allowed them to keep their pace invested in the game. And I thought our defense played very well. I thought our forechecking structure and our neutral zone structure set up our defensemen to be able to stay nice and tight and keep things organized through the neutral zone. And then we were 
fast in our zone. We were fast in, fast out. There was a few times where we took pucks back in the second period and allowed them to kind of get their, you know, get their forecheck established. But for the majority part of the game, I thought we did a good job trying to, you know, gain the blue lines, push the pucks ahead, and we used their net to get our forecheck established. We put a lot of pucks in their net. We got a lot of people going to their net, and, and it, uh, it, it showed. I know there are only 17 shots for the Kraken on the home side, but a couple of big saves from Stuart Skinner. That one in the middle of the second period, that glove save post-to-post when they were on the power play, how big of a moment was that for you on the bench? Yeah, I think the equal out, right? The first one he'd like to have back, and our group really stuck together and supported him and just kept pushing. That didn't change how we approached the game. Then obviously, in the, in the, you know, you're not the old saying, but he's... But, you know, your penalty killer, your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. And, and he certainly was in that game. And I think that was the good balance for our group. And everybody feels like they had a really important part of the win tonight, which is which is obviously really good for the group. You mentioned approach to the game. How would you describe Stewart's approach to the game? Well, he's a young player. He's coming in here. He's trying to, you know, create create energy for himself and create you know building on his game. And I thought he's done a really good job of just continuing to work through situations good and bad and I think that him and Dustin Schwartz have a really good connection they have a long history together and his ability to, to improve his mental focus and his, and his structures you know improving and it's just he's, he's a young player that's trying to establish himself in the game and I think he's done a really good job. What can you make of Warren Fogle's efforts tonight obviously scoring his first multi-goal game? Well, it's nice to play with Connor. I'm sure that, that helps a little bit. But in all honesty, he, he I thought he competed really hard. I thought he did a lot of really good things consistently. I thought he was good on the forecheck, and he, he did a good job arriving in our D zone coverage. He protected the puck along the wall in the offensive zone and the defensive zone. And and he's such a you know such a quick up tempo player that he went to their net hard, and he was rewarded for it. Obviously, no player wants to see his teammate go down, that being Zach Hyman with an injury earlier this week. But mm -hmm. how would you describe Fogel's opportunity in the top six? Well, I think that you know we've had to move a lot of people around. Obviously, moves you know Nuge is out. We've got some other players that have had to fill in, and I think collectively, what's really happened is our leadership group's taken over and allowed those players to find their way within the group with them. But I think you you really have to look at you know Leon and Connor and and Darnell and just recognize the, the moving parts around them. They're able to stabilize those players and support them and help them, and it becomes a you know, a consistent team effort that way. And I, and I thought all those guys, Warren included, um, have done a good job for us. Depth scoring has obviously been a big topic in Edmonton over the last couple of weeks. But Colton Seaver seems like he's really solidified himself a spot on this roster in terms of his effort. He gets rewarded again with another goal. Veteran guy. You know, he's got 500 games in the league plus, and And uh, I think he's played on some really good teams, and he's been able to find his way in and up, up and down the lineup. And so, you know, he's, he's done a really good job in the PK. He's done a good job defensively for us. He's just provided a really consistent um, role for our group. And I think what happened happens is those guys eventually find a way to get rewarded because they're doing things right consistently and you know over and over again and I thought he's done that um, done a really good job of that in the last couple of games. That uh, goal in the third when it was initially waved off were you confident that that was gonna um, end up counting for you? Yeah we had a you know, a couple of things made it confident for us. We watched it live. We watched it again, and our video coach Jeremy Coupel sent to the bench. Listen, this is the one we should look at, and we talked to the referee and made our point clear what we wanted to challenge. And uh, and it was it was you know it worked out well. Great. Great. All right, thanks, guys.
right, that's Jim Playfair, associate coach for your Edmonton Oilers after a 5-3 win in Seattle. I mentioned the shots on goal heavily in favor of the Oilers, 41-17, and that means Doug gets a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card, River Cree excitement bet on it. We set the line before the game at 61.5 shots. Doug took the under, Rob Brown, as did you, I Uh believe. uh Uh-huh. So 58, well, it, was, it was close, but it is under. It was close. It was Well, it, the Oilers did their part uh, defensively. I mean, limiting Seattle. Seattle didn't have a whole lot going tonight. You got to give credit to, uh, and this is the Oilers, a bunch of forwards out, but they had some defensemen back, Cuckoo back in the lineup, CeCe back after being out for a while in the last couple of games. They played well. It was a good defensive effort, and I know that Skinner wants the one back, but after that, he he played solid in net, so... A good defensive effort by the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, it was a game that uh, I think the the score may have flattered the Kraken a little bit. I think the Oilers were the better team the entire night. All right, you can get in touch, of course, on the hotline. It is powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. That is at 780-496-0063. We have more post-game reaction coming up as well. You'll hear from Colton Sevier and uh, Warren Fogle. Let's take a phone call here. We have uh, Rocket checking in tonight. Hey, Rocket, go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Glad the boys are on a, a two-game win streak. I actually uh, was at a uh, had a Christmas function, and I missed the first period of the last game where they were up three nothing. And I'm superstitious, so <laughs> I started thinking I should stop watching. <laughs> oh no! Just watch. You're fine. Well, I did watch tonight, and what I what I what I watched, uh, and and Rob Brown, forgive me for saying this, but. Uh, uh, you know the play with um, uh, uh, with Yamamoto back checking. It wasn't just that he back checked; it was that he back checked, and then he took his guy to the boards, to the end boards at the end. And it was like a little detail, I think, that kind of gets overlooked. And you know, when the letters go on a six-game losing streak, it's those little details that matter. So not only did he make make a great play defensively, he actually pinned the guy against the boards and then beat him back to take that slap shot from the slot. So, uh, Rob, I love you, buddy. You're bang on all the time, like 100% of the time, but this time I got you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, well, what part do you got 100% me? 100% seems high. <laughs> Well, my wife says I'm right 20% of the time, so I'm going to take rockets right there. Well, the the big thing about that too, Reed, is uh, a couple weeks ago, or everything's kind of blurring right now, but Barry and Nugent Hopkins mishandled a a puck on the the blue line, and the other team scored a shorthanded goal. And on that one, nobody read the play properly. And the offside player in that one, it was Connor McDavid, who should have been the high guy in back-checking, wasn't there. Tonight, Yamamoto read it. He, he saw that Barry was in trouble. And I mean, Yamamoto's the, the guy in the middle, and he, he just started fading back just in case there was a problem. A lot of players, they don't do that. They're hoping that the defensemen will keep the puck in, and all of a sudden they're in a better place to, to, to if for an offensive opportunity because they've cheated a little bit. Yamamoto didn't do that. And when you're a player that's been struggling offensively, and Yamamoto has, you got to do other things. And that was a big play at a big moment right there getting back because if Seattle scores that goal, all of a sudden 
there's a little, maybe a little doubt will creep into your minds. But Yamamoto makes a good play, hops on his horse, gets up there, and gets his first shot in probably about three weeks. So it was a, a good moment for for Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, this game started with uh, with a bang, so to speak. Maybe not a good one for Colton Sevier. What did you think of the uh, hit? It was two and a half minutes into the game. Lazan on Sevier along the bo- along the wall there. Hey, that's uh, well. I'll, I'll use Robert's. Uh, a percentage that was 100 percent a penalty and, and has to be called as a player you you want that called even if it's your teammate that's doing it just simply because you want that out of hockey that, that's uh, too many players get hurt in that position i do not know how the refs can not call that that's as easy a call as you can make and then eventually the, in the first period the game got out of hand darnell nurse did the same thing to one of the seattle players exact same play should have been called and the referees didn't call the first one, so they certainly can't call the second one. So to me, in the first 20 minutes, the referees were terrible both ways. And there's certain plays that have to be taken out of hockey. That hit from behind. And you could see Seaver how upset he was when he got up. He's like, seriously? You just ran me face first into the boards. You cannot hit somebody when their numbers are facing you. So bat, bat on the ref on that one because that had to be a call. All right. I want to ask you something else here. There, there was a mm-hmm. little a couple shots coming back from one of the intermissions on the TV broadcast of Larson and McDavid, a couple little body checks, and then talking to each other between whistles. Obviously, they know each other very well. I'm mm-hmm. sure when they speak away from the game, they're very friendly. I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious. What are they actually saying? Is is it just trying to make the uh, the best insult you can come up with? Might you actually be saying like, "Hey, like I that should have been a penalty." Now I'm going to get you. Like, what are they actually saying? Uh, well, they're both competitive, and it, it's like two brothers that have a fist fight, and then they'll go sit at the kitchen or at the dining room table, and, and one will pa- ask the other guy to pass the potatoes. It's uh, you can be have a best friend and and still get angry at him and I'm sure that's what it is I mean Larson Larson plays a certain way and he's not going to change it because it's Connor or Leon or any of his other buddies I played in junior and Todd Ewan who's passed on he and Todd Canelli were best friends here in St. Albert they fought two or three times and I'm like how can you fight your buddy well it's a game you got to fight your buddy I mean that's what it's all about so uh, on that one yeah two got two competitive guys going at it and Neither wants to back down because after the game, when you're talking in the in the lobby or out by the dress rooms, you want to be one up on your buddy. You want to be, hey, I got you good there, didn't I? So, yeah, they, uh, you don't cross the line as hard as you would against some other player with some of the things you say, but you certainly tell that player exactly how you're feeling in the moment. Okay. We probably can't. You probably no, you can't. can't translate it exactly is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, do you have the 10-second button on? Because <laughs> yeah, I can tell you exactly us, what you're saying. We're not supposed to use that on us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Oilers went 5-3 in Seattle. McDavid did get the uh, empty netter to put it away. He had two points. Leon Dreisaitl, but we haven't even talked about him. Uh, three assists tonight for uh, for Dreisaitl. All of them were... We're second assists, but still, uh, so what is he up to? He's up to 49 points now. McDavid also at 49 points. Yeah, when you're missing uh, big names out of your lineup and the others up front were missing all their top wingers, uh, Leon and Connor had to step up, and they both did. They both had very good hockey games tonight, um, and that's what they needed. Uh, when you are, are shorthanded or when things aren't going your way or when you face a little bit of adversity, the entire team looks to the leaders to take that step forward uh, to, to follow along 
And I thought tonight up front, both Leon and Connor, and on the back end, Darnell, those leaders were there tonight. They were very, very good, and the rest of the team was able to follow along. Well, and and I guess, Rob, on on a night like this, I mean, like, it's a very, um, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, I, I said on two. Remember, I said before that Leafs game. It just maybe I said it to Bob. It, it just felt like a weird vibe, you know, with mm-hmm. the with the weather and the Oilers were on that losing streak and a lot of talk about COVID. And I know you and I try to talk about it as as little as possible because we do want people to uh, escape a little bit and, and talk about hockey, but we can't obviously avoid it. And it, it sort of felt that way, <laughs> that way today. I mean, again, the. You know, the weather sucks. You wish you could just kind of lie on your couch all day. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you're, the Oilers send out these little, you know, roster alerts and they tweet things out. And it seems like they're all about players who are, aren't available lately. And uh, you're starting to wonder everything that's that's going on. And, and then plus, I mean, the, the lineup, it was, it almost... I, I don't mean I'm not I'm not pointing fun at the poking fun at the players here. It was just almost comical though. Project like I was texting with some buddies this afternoon. It's like, well, what are the line combinations? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how where, where are they even going to slot everybody? Is it just going to be like, okay, next three guys coming up? So you know, in a situation like that, uh, how are you going to behave? Uh, as a team, right? Is it going to be like, well, let's just get it over with and get on the plane back to Edmonton, or is it going to be, well, all right, you know, there's a game. Here's who, here's who's playing. Let's, you know, we can't do anything about anything else right now. We got to go out there and, and have everybody in this locker room, uh, you know, put it on the line tonight. So I, I, I was glad they they reacted that way as opposed to more of a like, uh, uh, and, and I know pro athletes rarely will think this way, Rob, but sometimes you see nights where you think a team might be feeling a little sorry for themselves or um, just are trying to get through it as quickly as possible. No, in all honesty for players, the only normal in their lives is when they're on the ice. So all the stuff that's going around the world, and they all have families. They, All the players, not only are they players, they're fans. So they're following everything that's going on. They're reading, okay, Toronto's games are canceled. Okay, Boston and Nashville aren't playing in, until the 26th. There's players... There's all these things coming up. Well, is there going to be a pause? Is are they going to uh, is there going to be paused to the till after Christmas? Is it going to be into January? Okay, now if if I get a positive test before we go back tomorrow because we're in the states, do I get back into the country? Am I going to miss well, Christmas? And yes, he's worried all, about that, right? And yes, that's what. And, and you're worried about your teammate there. So you're all those things are going through your mind all day long until you get to the ice. And once you're on the ice, it's simple, and it, it's it's the, a refuge for the players. It's where they can go out. And their mind stops, and it just focuses on one thing. They don't have to worry about anything else. And then once the game's over, then it all comes back again. But no, I would, I, I expected. It, it's, it's funny. It's like when all the players, when all the other defensemen were hurt, and in the media they're talking about oh, this guy's out, that guy's out, and I, and I kept trying to say in the radio is the players don't care. They really don't. They're, it doesn't change Leon's job or Nugent Hopkins' job or Connor's job. They go and do the exact same thing they're supposed to do. And it's, okay, who's playing? Okay, number six is back there instead of number two. Okay, but that's it. Because that's what a player is accustomed to. All players have gone through that at some point in their career, whether it's junior college, pro, or the NHL. So players play. And I'm sure before the game, and I'm sure right now after the game on the plane ride, there's some nervousness or apprehension or wonder of when their next game is going to be. 
But when that next game starts, their focus will be just on that game and they won't worry about anything on the outside. Now, for us watching it, I I agreed. I felt that this is a weird, weird night. Just right. all day long, you're reading about, are they going to pause it? Is the Olympics going on? Are they going to are they going to start rescheduling games? Oh, there's another six players that have just been put in COVID protocol. Oh, there's basketball players. There's football players, and you're and it's not as scary a time as it was last March when they when they stopped it because that was there were so many unknowns there, and now we've been through it for a year and a half. But there's still the uh, unknown of when the games are going to be played or are they going to be played. And I think that's tough for players because you have, as you've been on a road trip, they give you itineraries and hockey players just follow. Okay, 9 a.m. I got to be here. Two o'clock, I got to be here. Tomorrow, I got to be there. And when there's an unknown, that's when it puts them in a little bit of a uh, nervousness because, okay, now am I going to the rink tomorrow? Is there going to be a game on Monday? So now as they're flying back, I'm sure there's a lot more conversation on what's going to happen next. Yeah, and I guess we'll find out uh, in the uh, in in the days to come. Obviously, there there are now five teams that are are shut down in the NHL. So uh, we'll see if that uh, if that number grows. If they if they pause the whole league for a little bit. If they adjust some of the the, the COVID protocols along the way. Still some things up in the air. I mean, the one thing is, I mean, I don't know about you, Rob. I'm starting to think the Olympics are. A, a longer and longer shot with which each with each passing day. So well, I, th- I think it is be- when when you start seeing how contagious this is. Now the players, from what we know, aren't getting really sick, but they're being put in a protocol if they turn positive. And we're seeing that it's going through teams where it's not just one guy. Okay, isolate them, and okay, it's just that one guy, and we're all good. It's all it's mo- every team that has a player with it. There's multiple players. So you start to worry as you're a player going over to China for the Olympics. Okay, the world is right now going through this wave. If one guy gets it, that might that's probably means there's going to be seven guys or ten guys. And the way they have it set up, you can't come back. And unless something like that changes, uh, these guys, again, these guys have families. And they're not going to go sit in some isolation hotel in China for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, Uh and put their their families and leave their families alone for that long. So I I think the Olympics are a long shot now. And for me, from a competitive side, we talked about it earlier. I would pause the NHL right now. I really would because you you got teams like the Oilers and and Seattle tonight. Both had that. I think there's nine guys in COVID protocol, and there's teams that right now don't have it. And there's teams that are out there they've canceled, they've postponed. So it's like okay, the Edmonton Oilers have to play without five. But this team over here has got six players and their t- their games are cancelled. And at the end of the season, does that one or two points you may have lost because you had to play shorthanded, does that affect a playoff position? So I think you pause it, you cancel the Olympics, you use those three weeks to make up any games that you miss here because you paused it, and you go on that way. And I think that's the safest and probably the mo- the fairest that you will have. But I, I'm not I'm not the uh, commissioner and I don't think they're going to call for my opinion. Well, regardless of what they do, there are there are already games that are going to have to be made uh, that are have to going to ha- going to have to be made up. Pardon me. So the NHL All Star Game is February fifth, and then, for example, the Oilers aren't back until February twenty third. So they could use what would have been the Olympic break as some sort of a window to possibly even give teams a bit of a break, and then 
get back at it and start making up some games. But obviously, we'll we'll see how things get rescheduled as we move along here. Let's check the Edmonton scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers? Head to edmontontrailer.com. Red Wings beat the Devils 5-2. Stars over the Blackhawks 4-3 in overtime. Joe Pavelski, emotional after the game. Tanner Kiro. Uh, Carroll, pardon me, hit in that game and left the ice on uh, a stretcher for Dallas, so hopefully he's going to be okay. Hurricanes beat the Kings 5-1. Flyers over the Senators 4-3 in overtime. And right here on 6:30, Chad, Oilers beat the Kraken 5-3. Oil Kings win 3-2 over Swift Current. Jalen Lipen got the game winner. And in the NFL tonight, Indianapolis beat New England 27-17. Okay, you can get in touch by calling 780-496-0063. You'll also hear from Warren Foger. Warren Foger and Colton Sevier. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Very long pass to McDavid. Into the Seattle end. Across to Dreisaitl to Yamamoto shot. Rebound. Scores! Warren Fogel on the rebound. It's a power play goal. And this game is tied at two. Fogel would add another one later in the third. It would turn out to be the game winner as the Oilers win 5-3 in Seattle. Here's Fogel. First multi-goal game as in Edmonton Oilers. How does that sound? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, I'm more excited that we got the win there. Um, you know, the boys dug in uh, extremely hard today. You know, I thought we played uh, pretty simple and fast. And, you know, it shows how dangerous we can be when we play in their end. And, you know, just keep building off, doing the right things like that. And, um, like I said, pretty happy that we got that win. You talked about the win, but your guys' backs were a little bit against the ropes. You guys are icing a shorthanded lineup, 11 forwards let down the first two goals in this hockey game, but you guys really in control all game. What does this win characterize about this club? I think the the one word that comes to my mind is belief. You know, we stuck together and no one was powered in. Um, you know, we, we dug in as a group and we knew we could come back. And I think that was one of the keys at the beginning of the year when we were down. We, we believed that we were going to come back. And, you know, obviously on that stretch, you know, with so many losses, it's easier to get negative and stuff like that. But, you know, for our group, believing in each other you could see that on the ice you know we're keep bringing it into the ozone and keep attacking and uh, foot on the pedal so it was nice to see that despite being the better team for much of the night uh, your goaltender had to make some pretty key saves especially halfway through that second period with that glove save on the seattle uh, power play how big was that save for you guys massive huge save by Stu, and you know he's been a rock all year you know there's games uh where we lost and, and we let him down so you know for him to keep playing the way he has so steady all our goalies are so great and um you know that was a massive save when it came to your second goal of the night did you immediately know that you had a feeling it was going to be overturned or did you have a comment with the ref at all or how did that play out yeah maybe a bit like i knew i knew i wasn't in the pain i knew i got pushed in there but you never know uh, with some of these decisions. So that's why I was a little uh, hesitant, but, you know, just try to get to the net and, um, you know, good things happen when you go to the net. Now, on your first goal of the night, it was a great play by Yamamoto on 200 feet down the ice. He made a great play to disrupt the breakaway, and then he gets rewarded with an assist on your goal. Does that play almost encapsulate your guys' effort here tonight? Yeah, for sure. I think it speaks high volume of VMs. You know, you know, he does a lot of things um, away from the puck and on the puck that, you know, he doesn't probably get enough credit for. You know, that's a massive back check. You know, that could have been a goal against, and, and then we don't score. So um, he's a fascinatious player. He does a lot of smart things, and, uh, you know, that was a huge play by him to, you know, be a huge contributor to, our, to the goal there. You guys ended a six-game losing streak on Thursday. How big or how important was it to follow that up with another two-point performance? 
yeah, you know, we, we want to win games. These points are huge, and, you know, we got to come out and, you know, try, try to keep, uh, keep in the wins and, you know, just take it day by day and, you know, keep moving forward. Hey, Warren, uh, you, got, you fell down 2 nothing, but the, you guys had the, 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 the way of the play there. You guys were out shooting them and out chancing them. Does that help you have that belief you can come back like, hey, it's 2 nothing, but you guys were coming? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's a staying with it. You know, whether whatever the score is, you got to still play the right way. And, um, you know, we were continually attacking. And, um, you know, it's not fun to play against a team who's constantly attacking and playing hard. And uh, eventually, kind of what I said a couple of days ago, you keep pounding that rock like that rock's going to chip. And, you know, that's what happened today. Oilers beat the Kraken 5-3, and that means the Japanese Village goal light is on on 630Ched.com. We activate it whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. Also just seeing online here, Rob, it looks like Portland, I don't know the players involved, scored a... uh, uh, Zegris to Milano style goal, flipping the puck over the net and batting it in. John Tortorella is going to be furious. <laughs> Again, I will reiterate uh, from the beginning of time in hockey, all that matters is score more goals the other way. They don't say how you have to do them. They don't. There's no diagrams. Just put the puck in the net. And if you can figure a way to score from behind the net, then you're probably one up on the opposition. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, it's I mean, everybody always says how difficult it is to score. So I don't know why we're <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> criticizing the, players who figure it out different ways. Creativity. To, it out. I, it, to me, it's like okay, Bob, you are you're not allowed to cross the red line because defensemen aren't supposed to do that. So Bob, you just hang back. All right, Wayne Gretzky, I know that you like going behind the net and setting up plays back there, but you know what? Don't do that. No one's done that before. I, I, it drives me crazy. What, I mean, that what John Tortorella said. It's like this guy. He brought excitement. We're talking about it. Kids are talking about it, and I, I, I run academies, and the kids are trying it. That's good. That's good because that means they're interested. I, he'd prefer they just go and and it's uh, maul the guy behind the net and just it's play a defensive one nothing game. That's not, people don't come. They want to see excitement, and it's like go to a basketball game. They like when they do those big alley oops or between the legs, no look passes. That's what brings you back. So uh, the more creative players can be to create offense. The, the the more fans you're going to have, the more interest you're going to have. And for me, the I enjoy watching the skill that the kids have out there today on the ice because the, the league is more skilled than it's ever been in the history of the National Hockey League. All right, Oilers win it 5-3. Let's go to the Certainty Hotline. We have Derek standing by. Hey, Derek, thanks for calling, man. Hey, no problem. Uh, I was wanting to uh, make a comment about uh, the Olympics. Sure. And uh, you guys were talking about how, you know, if a player tests positive, they'll be stuck there and all that. Well, what about the political aspect of it where, you know, the Chinese government could turn around and say, well, hey, you've sent us some of your best hockey players, so we're arbitrarily going to tell you that three or four of your players tested positive just to screw with you. Well, I, yeah, I guess I, they could do that. I guess I, they could do that. I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know I if don't we're believe the right that guys would to talk the about the, the political climate necessarily, but, I mean, obviously there are, I, I mean, Rob, I don't. I, again, I don't know if you and I are the guys to totally dive into it, but a lot of people have concerns just about China hosting in general, right? Oh, absolutely. So, so, yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, to me, I... I I want to see the Olympics. I really do. I, I I look forward to it every four years to watch the best 
in yeah. all and, sports. And again, there will be ahead. Olympics. It's just whether or not there's NHL. The hockey. Yeah. And I just don't think there's going to be hockey. I just think the way it's set up and, and the way the world is right now, if this wave gets as big as everyone's expecting, uh, the danger of going over there and catching it and then having to stay and not be able to come back and play on your team. I mean, imagine if Connor McDavid goes over there, gets it, has to stay for five weeks, and the Oilers have to finish their season without Connor McDavid. And that's a distinct possibility. So I know the players want to go, but I, I think at some point there's going to be a decision being made. Is it the best decision to go or not? And the more that uh, we've seen what's going on in the world again and what's going on in sports, I just, as Reed said earlier, I have my doubts that the NHL will be at the Olympics this year. Okay, we'll also welcome John to the show. Hey, John, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hello, how are you doing today, guys? Good, good. So I just wanted to add, actually, on the last caller, who makes that decision at the end of the day? Is it the player? Can the GM, like Ken Holland, say, hey, Connor, I don't want you going there because I don't want to lose you for possibly five weeks in the Olympics? Right now, they've left it up to the Players Association. That's the That's the broad answer right now. And the last thing I, I had, do we have an update on uh, uh, Zach Hyman? Last I heard, it was just day-to-day, and then he had some pictures that he needed to take. Uh, what's what's going on with that? Do we know? That's all I have as well. Yeah, they haven't uh, they haven't said anything more detailed about the images that they got. So he, he remains day-to-day. That's the last official status from the team. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good night. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. Yeah, I, you lose track of who's not playing, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's more not than there is playing right now. It, it, interesting though, when he, when the, the gentleman just asked who makes the decision, as of right now, it is the player's decision. Um, at some point, if they have to pause the season or if more teams have to get uh, locked down for an extended period of time, I do believe at that point the NHL gets to make that decision. Right now, they're not going to. Right now, it's up to the players. But I think at some point say nine teams get put into a a COVID timeout, at that point the NHL can say, hey, you know what? We have to reschedule too many games. We're pulling the the players out of the the Olympics. So that'll be something to watch over the next probably two weeks. It seems like there's going to be a peak here in the next couple of weeks when it comes to the the National Hockey League and the COVID cases. And I I should clarify, there's no... And this is what Bill Daly has said. There's no deadline per se for withdrawal from the Olympics, though if they do it after January 10th, there's be financial costs. So, And it, I guess it all depends on how big those financial costs are. If it's something big, then I would imagine it'd be sooner rather than later. But I guess they also have to decide if you start pausing games and you have to start rescheduling, then you're going to have to start rescheduling and putting them into dates. So at that point, you got to decide, okay, are we going to go to the Olympics or not? Because there's three weeks that we could use. Having said that, all the arenas across the National Hockey League, 32 arenas, they knew there was going to be Olympics. They knew there was going to be no hockey. I imagine a lot of those things already have events in it. So it would be yeah, a, a nightmare. Yeah, it would be a nightmare a trying point. to get a schedule out. Well, that's a good point. And what is it, 11 or 12 buildings that, that share with NBA teams, for example. So when they give their dates, they might say, oh, well, here's a two-week block in February. We can be home every second night for two weeks and have concerts, right? So You're right. And, then, and basketball has started to cancel games as well, too. So they're going to have to try and redo their schedule at a certain point as, as well. It's not easy. It, it's easy for you and I to say, okay, here's what they should do. But then they start getting into the the logistics of it, and it's like, ooh, this is much, much tougher than we thought. 
And I don't know if the NHL wants to extend the season a whole long ways again. Uh, so it's, I, you just hope that the world heals quickly and, and we get back to living normal sooner. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case anytime soon. All right. The Oilers win 5-3 over the Kraken. It is uh, the Oilers going 1-2 for two on the power play. Fogel's first goal was on the power play. Seattle went 0-1 for one on their man advantage. So not a lot of special teams work, but the Oilers do win the matchup. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville. Check out Extreme with an X powerproducts.com. The Oilers do have the uh, number one power play in the National Hockey League now with 29 goals on 90 attempts. Oh my goodness, it's Saturday night. I picture this guy dressed as Santa Claus with a nice red wine stain on his beard. It's JP (laughs) on the line. Hello, JP. How are you doing? Read. I'm telling you right now. You can read mine. I was Santa Claus when I had my massive party. I dress up as Santa. Everyone loved you. It was a great time. I can't believe you read the. You're a musician. You're a theater playing at your end. You uh, something out. You took me off guard with this. I had a lot to talk about. I was going to talk to talk about China because you're talking China. Well, first off, if I'm a player, I'll tell you right now. The only China I'm is fine China around a dinner table in the next few weeks for Christmas. I'm not going to that place. There's not a chance in hell. I'm sorry for swear, but hell, whatever I say. But let's get down to brass tacks, you guys. Please. Let's say, I mean, all joke aside. I'm voting right now. We're Christmas season. We're having a great time. I had a good party. I dress as Santa. I talk about China. But I want to talk about Fogel. The mogul. This guy, this guy tonight, I knew I had to have patience with this guy. I had to be patient. Very, very patient with this guy. I like his style. Speed. Drive the net. He's much like Hyman in a lot of ways, in my opinion. He needs to be on the top line. But I like his style tonight. We won a couple games. Everyone's panic mode, panic, panic, panic. But listen, let's get down to brass tacks. We need to stop with the tests. We need to get down to brass tacks. We need to keep the game rolling. We need to keep playing and continue with the season. I know I'm a little drunk tonight, you guys, but I want to say I'm not going to phone again for a while because I'm going to take a season break. Christmas is around the the corner, Rob. This is my final and last dish effort. This is the last time I'm ever. I'm I'm getting angry now. I will swear. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to uh, cause too much stir. I'll end it in five seconds here, Rob. Please, for the love of God, you're at Seriously? six thirty chance studio. Listen, you're at six thirty chance studio is in Millwall. I'm Millwall. You're close. I need an autograph. If you can make this happen. You're the Santa Claus, and I'm just going to be the kid in dear and so happy. Wish you guys the best. Thank you for letting me ta- have a ta- good time tonight. Oh, Godspeed, you guys. Right on. All the best, JP. We, we, we do appreciate it when you... Uh when you call in, uh, well, I'll tell you what. But he, he mentioned Fogel. Well, you know, we're going to make mm-hmm. we're going to make Fogel's goal scoring or adjustment of the game for Pro Drain Techs for peace of mind down the line because we were starting to count 17, 18, 19, 20 with uh, without a goal. But I think JP made the big the, the net drive right. Yep. Be, be be around the net. He, he, he's looked very comfortable playing with with Connor. And when I thought when we signed or brought Fogel over in the trade. 
and we talked about him. And I remember when he played in Carolina, and it was that consistency that you saw that we've seen in the last couple of games. It was always taking the puck to the net and energy every time he was on the ice. Physical, not in the physical where he's going end-to-end to run somebody, but always fis- finishing his checks and always involved in something, just like the, the goal that he scored tonight the where Giordano pushed him into the goal. He just he, he in a battle in front of the net. And I'll, th- what I think or what I'd like to see when the, the team gets healthy, uh, a line combination of, of Fogel playing with McDavid and Pugliarvi and then having Leon with R&H and Hyman, I think that would be two incredibly strong lines. I think Yamamoto... Uh, who was better tonight? I, I just think the the consistency as a, a scorer on the second line it's not there and hasn't been there for a while. And now all of a sudden you throw those two t- lines out in the top six players. I think that's that solidifies. And we've talked you and I about things that the Oilers needed a trade trade deadline. We need another score in the top six. Well, maybe they have that top six player in Fogel. And now instead of a top six player, you're looking for a solid third line player. Much easier to find and a lot cheaper to get. Oilers win 5-3 in Seattle. Sir Robert checks in this evening. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys, how you doing? Quite well. Well, I'll, well I'm going to start with that. Well, well, I'm going to start with a couple uh, I'm going to start with a couple of uh, quick thoughts on the game, I guess. Obviously, uh, I, thought it was, I, thought, I thought it was a huge win considering all the, uh, considering all the pieces uh, uh, that we didn't have tonight. Uh, oh, I, I really like the way Fogel played. I, uh, I thought that uh, guys like uh, Marodi and Seth uh, Griffin uh, were fine. The defense, I thought, was good. Skinner, Skinner let in those two early goals in the half to that. Skinner was Skinner was a wall. Didn't face didn't face a ton of shots, but I thought I thought I thought that save he made he made on McCann that was that to me that was a turning point. And I guess uh, and then I'll, I'll make a quick uh, a quick comment on the uh, uh, on the NHL or I guess uh, I if it, personally if it's me I'm the NHL if I I'm considering a pause. I'm considering to do it now simply because this is because you're the NHL and you hate and this gets and this gets and this gets any further out of hand than it already is. Now are they maybe looking at the potential scenario now we now now we can't make up all the games that we've canceled. Now we have now we have to shorten the season. And if you're the NHL you know you know for a fact they don't want to do that. Yeah, thanks, Robert. We appreciate it. Uh, that's Robert checking in at 780-496-0063 after the Oilers beat the Kraken 5-3. Here's Eberle directing it into the Edmonton end. It goes over to the left wing and Schwartz back to Donald. Shoot it! Looking for a redirect from McCann. Just missing pass in front of the net. Here's McCann. Oh, and a stop by Skinner. Got it with the right pad. 14 saves by Stuart Skinner tonight in the Oilers' 5-3 win over the Kraken. That's his save of the game. Presented by Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Okay, back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Ben standing by. Good evening, Ben. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've obviously been one of the many Oilers fans who's been doing a lot of thinking over, over the month of December, the six-team losing streak. So, like... 
I, and I've said this on the program once before, it seems like the Oilers just seem to like struggle in December. McDavid and Drysdale get tired, and the, and the depth just doesn't step up. And so it's like, is it just this again? Does Tibbet need to be fired? Uh, you know, but then um, they go through that 16 losing streak, and they get two picture-perfect wins. You know, Perlini wakes up, Pugliarvi wakes back up, Ryan gets one. Uh, tonight, Fogel's right back in it after getting the empty night of last game. So, uh, you know, like, I'm just thinking, like, what do the Oilers need to do to not go on another losing streak like that and to, and to keep getting wins like these last two? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know if you heard the December stats I've been given out. They've had some ugly Decembers uh, in, in recent years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I there's so much there, Rob, that we could talk about. Um I mean, even when they were winning, they weren't a great five-on-five depth-scoring team. But they've looked a little better the last two games. What's the thing I always talk about? The QO, right? The quality of opponent. Uh, Columbus and Seattle are not the best teams in the league. So more often than not, you should beat them. I I think for the Oilers, like, first of all, survive. Players out of the lineup. and And maybe... Maybe the positive is you're forced to tinker with the lines, and maybe you learn a little bit more about players who haven't been scoring, like we were talking about in Fogel, and maybe they find a little spot that's more helpful to their style. Yeah, I agree. I think that the expectations are always high for the Oilers because of Connor and Leon. And the expectation is, well, I mean, this team should win because they've got the best player in the world, and now they've got the best two players in the world. Uh, but it's a hard league. And to me, the Oilers are now a uh, perennial playoff team. And it doesn't matter if they win the division, win the, the conference. If they don't win a couple rounds in the playoffs, this is going to be a failure of a season for them. So to me, it's just get to the playoffs. Get to the playoffs healthy, feeling good about your game, and then try to go on a run there. They're going to have another losing streak. They will. All the teams do. I mean, uh, the Oilers were in first place overall in the league at one point. That was because of the teams around them who were having their losing streaks earlier. Uh, there's things they still need to work on. Five-on-five five play. Uh, their bottom six eventually will be... Uh, they're not going to get the ice time they're getting if, if Fogel back, goes back to where he's playing or Cassian or, or Perlini. So they're going to have to find a way to get production out of those players with limited ice time and not being on the ice with a Connor or a Leon. Uh, defensively, I, I think they move the puck well. But there's some lapses back there. They don't have the the big shutdown player. I mean, Abu Shard, for an example, uh, he's like Jekyll and Hyde at times. When he's got the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, you're like, oh, this guy might score 30 in this league. And then you see in his own zone where he gets walked. He's been walked one-on-one about seven times this year. And I don't know if there's any other defenseman that has been on the Oilers. So now you're thinking, we might get 30 goals, but it might be minus 20. So there's, there's highs and lows for this team. But to me, it's uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it happens, because at the end of the year, if they have a, a fantastic playoff, you can think, this was a fun ride that we were on this year. We saw the good and we saw the bad, and look how it all turned out. They do have a they have a good team. I don't think they're a great team, but I think they're a good team that they just need to find a little magic in the playoffs. But they have to get there first, and I think they are a playoff team. They just like just about any other team in the NHL right now, they just got to find health. Yeah, well, and there will, I mean, there's going to be a trade or two. I mean, yep. I, there, mean, there I, I don't be. think there's any any doubt about that. So, well, and, and the roster's never finished, right? So, no, no, and I, I don't think the roster they have right now is a roster good enough to win the Stanley Cup. But I do think they've got uh, a good base to build around, 
come the trade deadline to put make a push in the playoffs. But they they just have to. I mean, at the end of the day, they just have to find health, and they need their goaltending has to be settled by the time they get into the playoff race around you know in April, March, and April. And whether Mike Smith comes back and plays like Mike Smith's capable of, or they go out and find someone else, because I do not believe they're going to go into the playoffs with Koskinen and Skinner. No, that's yeah. It'll be Smith or a new goalie will be the starter in in the postseason. That that would be, I think, a pretty. Well, is there such thing as a safe prediction when it's you and me? <laughs> well, when it's come to goaltending for you and I with the others yeah. over our time here, we've never had a prediction right. So, but I do know that their hope is that uh, Mike Smith comes back and plays to the level he was at last year. And if he does, then the others have a, a legitimate shot. If he doesn't, if there's a falter or if or father time is finally caught up to him, then the others would have to make a trade at the deadline to find a goaltender because goaltending is everything when you come to the playoffs. Edmonton takes it 5-3 in Seattle. Back to the Certainty Hotline. We'll welcome Liv to the show. Hey, Liv, go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, I just wanted to ask about, okay, I can't pronounce his name right, Puliyarvi. Oh, yes, he Puliyarvi. The Bison yep. King. Yep. <laughs> right? Okay, so what's happening with him? Can he come? He can't come back. Yeah, we don't know, but that's a good point. But like Stoff was talking about that before the show. We don't, we don't know. Hopefully, there's going to be some sort of a, a, you know appeal for uh, an exemption. And remember last year, uh, Rob and Liv. Remember he had to stay. Was it in Montreal where he had the false positive? Yep. And he had to stay for an extra day or two, and then he got got a private. <laughs> <laughs> a little private plane ride coming back. So, yeah. But that hope, was easier because he was in the country. He was in the this country. Is... So, yeah, you're, you're right. Right now, uh, I, I doubt he would be allowed to travel back with the team tonight. I, well, he, no, certainly wouldn't be allowed to travel yeah. back. Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, well, as the rules are right now in Canada, he's not allowed to come across. He's, he's a positive case. And so he's got a quarantine down in, in Seattle. Um, so hopefully they'll find something that allows them to to get back. And this that's the thing right now why I say there's got to be a pause before Christmas because you have American teams coming up, Anaheim's coming up to Edmonton. Imagine if Ryan Getzlaff comes up here, gets a positive test, feels good, everything's good about him, but it's a positive test and he can't go back home to be with his family at Christmas. It's not fair to the players. It isn't. So the way it's going right now, pause it until after Christmas and then go on from there. So I, I hope they find a way to get Yessie home. I, well, Carolina was on a road trip just recently. They had to leave two players they didn't in bring Vancouver. those guys, yeah. Yeah, and then they had to leave three guys in Minnesota. Like they had guys scattered all over the place because of the way it's set up right now. So they got to figure something out. But to me, pause it until after Christmas. Let everyone have the, some time with their families and then restart and try to figure out how to get all the games crammed back in. All right, we'll also uh, get Troy on to the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Troy, thanks for calling, buddy. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I just want to talk about Benson. I sure. really like his game tonight. He uh, actually lately, Benson's just, you know, he's really improved. The guy who gets six minutes tonight, um, not going to do much on six minutes, but he's accepted a role, I think. Um, throwing some hits, being a little pesky, you know, mixing it up, getting some opportunities. I think those six minutes, you know, he all of a sudden he starts playing like that. Six minutes will turn to nine minutes. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to pot a couple goals doing that. Troy, do you know what he got tonight? What's that? He got 15-10 tonight. And I thought he played 15 yeah. good minutes tonight. He, he did indeed. I, I totally agree with that. He uh, he was very noticeable tonight. And, and you know, I know they're, they're short-staffed and he's getting some extra time. 
but just the last few games I, I watched him play, uh, you know, he's starting to be like, hey, I'm not, you know, he played the AHL, WHL, the guy's a superstar in those leagues, and now, you know, NHL, he's realizing, you know, I'm a fourth-line player. I got to find a way to contribute, and he's starting to find a way. You're you're absolutely right. He he was this was his best game as an Oiler, and there's players that don't accept that role. They've always been goal scorers. They've been offensive players. No, I'm going to wait. You're going to have to play me in a top six role. I'm going to pout if I don't go there. He's been the opposite. He has become a pest out there, and every single game, he's noticed. So uh, good on uh, good on Benson to go out there and realize that if he wants to stay in the National Hockey League, he has to play a certain way, and he's been doing that. All right, let's go back to Seattle. Here's Colton Sevier. Gutsy performance. Is that fair to say with the shorthanded lineup and also giving up the game's opening two goals? Yeah, I think there was a, a number of things there that were kind of working against us with uh, you know, canceling morning skate and kind of the uncertainty around the game uh, earlier today. And then obviously getting down 2-0 uh, early in a building, uh, you know, feeds off of that and gets loud. It was, uh, wasn't an ideal start, but we battled back in that first and uh, you know, played well that, that whole game. Uh, a couple of nights ago, you guys ended a six-game losing streak. Tonight, you come out with a performance like that, with almost with your backs against the wall, given all the uncertainty around this team. What does that say about this club? Yeah, you know, I think we, uh, we made a statement. You know, like I said, no one was happy with the, that little skid. You know, we got out of it uh, any way we could. And now I think we're uh, we're building on it. We want to play games like that. You know, where we play more in there and play uh, play more direct and uh, get our goals that way. You saw some goals, you know, in the paint and kind of off point shots and, and things like that. And that's kind of what you have to do to score uh, in this league. And I think we're going to keep doing that going forward. Perhaps not the way that you wanted to get involved in this game early, taking that hit. But does something like that kind of wake you up? Because you had yourself a pretty strong night. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to make a habit of getting yourself into it that way, but uh, it can definitely get uh, get the juices going, get you engaged, and uh, get you going. And tonight, it, uh, it happened to do that to me. That kind of plays into your game, though, isn't it? A lot of chirping, a lot of physical stuff, and then also kind of get, getting gritty in front. Yeah, I think if I can uh, add a little bit of a physical element and a kind of a gritty element uh, to my game, I'm probably more effective than when uh, when I'm not. And so, if uh, if I can get into it one way or another early and uh, and play that way, things tend to uh, tend to happen more when I'm out there, and it kind of uh, worked out that way. In tonight's great effort, be summarized by that one play by Kyler Yamamoto on the power play where he disrupts the breakaway chance on one end and then contributes big on the other. Is that almost encapsulating of your guys' effort tonight? Yeah, I think it kind of shows, you know, I think we played a, a solid, you know, 200-foot game, you know, both ends of the ice, and then that shows it. You know, he uh, he worked his tail off to get back on a, on a pretty fast skater that had a step on him, and he got back there to disrupt that and then beat that same player up the ice to get the, the shot that, uh, you know, resulted in the rebound that uh, that Warren put in. So that kind of shows, you know, the, the back and forth, the full uh, full game we played in uh, in one play for sure. Multi-goal game for Warren Fogle, his first as an Oiler. I know he's probably standing right there, so a little awkward for you, but uh, how big of a contribution is that from number 37? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think he got he got, uh, he got one last game to kind of uh, get rolling, and now uh, he's playing confidence. He's shooting the puck. You know, he had a ton of chances today. He could have had more. I think last time we had a media day together, we were talking about how we had a ton of stuff that, that didn't go in. I think now uh, things are going to start rolling for him. And uh, obviously playing playing up the lineup with some of the guys out, he took full advantage of it. And, you know, uh, it was great for us. Uh, last question for me on a personal note for you, getting on the goal column once again in a short period of time, that must feel pretty good for the self-confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, goal, scoring isn't going to be the number one thing that I, that I bring, but anytime you can you can chip in offensively, and especially in a win, it uh, you know it feels great. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I lied. Uh, one more question. Do you feel like <laughs> you've been doing a lot? Like, 
a lot of right things recently because it seems like you've been able to elevate your game with more game action. Yeah, I've been happy with my game and a lot of aspects uh, leading up to a few games ago. I was happy with everything except you know you know I couldn't find, seem to find one find one uh, in the back get one in the back of the net and now you know that's starting to come and I think that's just you know from playing the right way and getting rewarded. All right, that is Colton Sevier, who has a goal tonight as the Oilers win 5-3 in Seattle. Get more on this game, more on the Oilers and the Elks on globalnews.ca or 630ched.com. Next Oilers game, Monday, home to Anaheim, 5.30 for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 7. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers take it 5-3. Have a great Sunday.